0: Hey guys buckle up for another brand new episode of below the iceberg the one and only podcast where we talk to real life two comma club winners whether you're a small business owner an entrepreneur a wannabe entrepreneur or you've been in business for a while you're sure to pick up some tip bits of actionable advice from our million dollar guests now if you're new around here and you don't know what a two comma club winner is it is where they've built one funnel inside the click funnel software and sold $1 million through just that one funnel, which is absolutely amazing. Now, in today's episode, I'm really excited to be talking to somebody from London, which is awesome. We don't get many people from the UK on the show. So today's guest is Staz, and he went from being a car parking attendant at Heathrow Airport to becoming a million-dollar entrepreneur and achieving the Two Comma Club in under 11 months, which is amazing. So let's dive in and find out what he does and all the unexpected things that have happened on his journey to the coveted million dollar funnel. Welcome Stas to Below the Iceberg.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Awesome, I wanna say a massive congratulations for getting a Two Comma Club Award.
1: Thank you very much, thank you.
0: I can see it on your wall, it's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's right there behind me, constant reminder every day, yeah.
0: <laughs> so what I like to do with my guests is I like to go check out their social media profiles because this shows our listeners what is achievable with big followers and small followers. Yeah, so, it's a great idea. Okay, so this is what I discovered about you. Okay, Instagram, 863 followers. Oh, and if I get anything wrong, please do let me know. Will do. <laughs> um you've got 1.8 thousand friends on your Facebook profile. You have a Facebook group with 763 people in. Yeah. TikTok 207 followers. Yeah. YouTube 446 subscribers.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't check Twitter. Are you on Twitter?
1: Uh, not really I have a Twitter account but I haven't used it in like a decade so yeah
0: Yeah, okay and um, LinkedIn are you on LinkedIn
1: I am on LinkedIn yeah I think I've got like six or seven hundred connections 500 plus that's all you need to know right
0: (laughs) yeah okay so do you want to tell our listeners exactly what it is that you do
1: yeah sure so um, I have an online education company that helps online entrepreneurs coaches experts consultants make their first or next 100k and once you make your first or next 100k then it's about being consistent to make your first or next million
0: okay cool sounds interesting um oh yeah another thing i want to say is awesome to have another person from the uk on <laughs> yeah, we've only heard about we we're, we're, we're massively
1: outnumbered polly so uh, we got to we got to do our best
0: <laughs> yeah okay so when did you actually hit the million dollar in sales
1: um so we hit that so we did it firstly we did it in 11 months once I finally put my finger out of what I was doing That's awesome. um, we hit that in March of this year
0: all right okay March oh, yeah, of this March. year so and it only took you 11 months to get there correct that is amazing so were you was the two comma club a goal
1: yes it was and I'll tell you how it come about so my friend uh, Ricky, he goes to FHL uh, pretty much every year. And the year before he was like, look, I'm going to book the tickets for the following year. Do you want to come? I said, all right, let's do it. Let's book a ticket for me. If I win the two comma club award, I will go. If I don't get there, I'm not coming. (laughs) So then I was literally like, you know, going for it to to get it. And I got it.
0: All right. Okay. So when you realised you hit the Two Comma Club, did you have a party? Did you have a celebration or did it pass you by and you didn't realise?
1: The, the last one. This definitely just passed me by and I didn't realise because I just started writing a book at the time. So, like, my head was all engrossed in writing the book. So I didn't even really make a big song and dance about it, to be honest with you.
0: All right, OK. So when you realised that you, ha- you had hit it, what did you did you have a celebration then?
1: I think, I think I'm not really I think I just thanked the team went out for a, for a nice meal maybe for a few drinks like but nothing major to be honest with you and I think that's one thing that I'm very guilty of as a lot of entrepreneurs are we don't celebrate our successes enough we're just like right what's the next goal what's the next goal and we keep going to the next thing right
0: okay so what was the funnel that got you the two comma club
1: sure so very very straightforward funnel Um. Uh, so it's so, so an ad or organic to a landing page webinar book a call high ticket coaching
0: all right okay so what was that what were you promoting to get them into was it an automated webinar or a live one
1: yeah automated webinar yeah
0: yeah. all right okay and what were you promoting to get them to go to watch this
1: so again just apply to become a client um the link was at the bottom they would uh, apply and we had it in two steps so uh, we use job forms. So, as you know on job forms, you can either you can set like conditions. So if people, you know had they qualified for our offer, they would get taken to the calendar. If people didn't qualify for the offer, they would get taken to a, a, a we call it a um, rejection page. I don't like using that word, but unsuitable for now page. Okay. Which is, look, sorry, we're not a good fit right now, but look, you stay in our communities because it doesn't mean to say that in the future you won't be a good fit. Um, and then, obviously, the people that got accepted on the application, they got a chance to book a call. Um, they would then book a call, and then we would convert. You know, we were converting probably fifty percent of our of our sales calls. Like, really, really, really good.
0: All right. Okay. So, who do you have a salesperson doing that, or were you doing the calls?
1: So I do now. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I do now. But to hit that two comma club, all the calls were me. I have like three A four Pads filled with notes of every single sales call that I've ever taken. Because I've taken like, I don't know, probably thousands, if I'm honest, Uh, not to get the the two comma club, but just in generally throughout my sort of uh, entrepreneurial journey. Uh, So I've had three big A4 books of all the sales notes. So I took every single call on that. Um, I had very minimal help because at the time my team was only me and one more. No, me and two more. Me and two more. Now we've grown, we've got a team of five people.
0: All right, okay. So, and did you have a script that you followed that you when you did the sales calls?
1: Had a I had a script. could take it for it right now. So, what's the biggest thing you need my help with right now? That was the first question.
0: All right, okay. And how did you come up with your script? Did you make it or did you get a script from somebody else and then you tweaked it for yourself or how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so like all these things, you learn a bit from people and you take the best bits what you think applied to you and you put together your own thing. So, that's what I did. Um, I learned from like, you know, all the top people in the industry and I made my own script because what I found, predominantly our audience was the UK for that particular funnel. Uh, what I found was that the, the the approach for the UK audience is a little different to like the Americans or the Canadians or the Australians, as you probably know yourself, right? Um, so yeah, I, I adapted it to our audience, to their pain points. And to be honest with you, the script is... I don't like calling it a script. I like calling it a conversation because it's literally like a conversation with the prospect where they feel like we genuinely care about them because we genuinely do. But, you know, we've had people on our call say, wow, like nobody's ever given me this time, this much attention, written down and listened in so much detail. And that was a a huge factor in our high conversion rate.
0: All right, what, listening?
1: Listening, yeah. We literally, on our calls, we do... I have a I have a 90/10 rule. So you should be doing 10% of the talking, your prospect should be doing 90% of the talking because you should be asking them powerful questions. That's what it, that's what closing is, is asking the right questions.
0: Okay. Awesome. So when you were before they got to that stage though, when you had ads, was, was it ads that you were predominantly using or organic?
1: yeah it was it was actually make sure it was really 50 50 so we had some ads going, but then we had some organic because the two work hand in hand um because you see I, I i always say there's three types of buyers there's like the today buyer that sees your stuff instantly loves it a hyperactive will go and book a call or buy whatever you're selling there's the tomorrow buyer which you know maybe from day one to day 30 so you need you know the email sequence a bit of nurturing and all the rest of Then there's a future buyer who will follow you for from a month to a year and then they will buy. And the only way to keep them in your communities is to do organic. So we combined paid with organic to not only grow that kind of community, but also keep nurturing people over, over a longer period of time.
0: So when were you directing people into your Facebook group? It's a free Facebook group, is it?
1: It's a free Facebook group, yeah, yeah. So um, to be honest with you, what happened was um, whether you got accepted or or not accepted on the application stage, we either took you to the non acceptance page which said look go and join go and join our free community we've got plenty of good training in there blah 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 if you got accepted you got sent to what we call a homework page now that homework page had everything about the program the results what you get all the stuff that people ask and it also had a link to join our facebook group so we're always you know looking to i call it the you know the maze Once they get into the maze and the ecosystem, that it's not a question of if they buy; it's a question of when they buy. And as long as you never stop providing that value, never stop, you know, nurturing them, never stop showing them and showing up for them, they will turn into a customer. It's just a case of when, not if.
0: So, what were you actually? What was the actual thing that you were selling on that funnel?
1: Sure. So it was take your knowledge and turn it into a business. So I have two avenues. See, I've come to the realization that most people online sell their knowledge in some way, shape or form. Now, you can either sell your knowledge and expertise, or you can sell other people's knowledge and expertise as an affiliate or, you know, as a third party, whatever it is. So that's what the offer was. It was right. Do you have expertise that you want to turn into a business that you want to build an online course with, you know, a a high ticket coaching program, a low ticket coaching program, an evergreen webinar? There's that element. Or look... I don't have no expertise because I maybe, you know, work the night shift in Tesco's or something like that. I can't really turn that into a product. So what we did is we helped people um, find knowledge that they could sell as an affiliate, maybe services, software courses, and help them set up the systems to get that going. Because the process for selling one or the other is like so, so, so similar. And how I started is I started with affiliate stuff as well. Like I came into this industry from a, from a car park, I had no knowledge to sell, like I came from a car park. Yeah, so we're, so we're gonna dive gonna... into
0: that. We'll dive into that soon.
1: <laughs> so, so I started with affiliate. And then once you kind of learn the skills, um, it's the natural route to a beginner beginner. It's right, let me sell affiliate stuff first, and then that then transforms into um, you know, you say, right, do you know what? I can have my own product here. So yeah, so that that's the the, the the basis of the program.
0: All right, okay. And was it um done done with you? Was it group coaching? Yeah,
1: it was group coaching with unlimited one to one support because I'm a like my biggest passion is really helping people and seeing them get the results that I know that they can get. So I never like to limit people. Oh, you only get an hour a week or an hour here. I I literally go above and beyond and spend as much time as you know the students need. And what I find is that the better your program, the less time they need your one-to-one help or any kind of additional help, uh, which also puts more pressure on me to deliver a great product and a great program.
0: That's awesome, because not many people do that, do they? They just go, these are the set calls, and that's all you get.
1: Yeah, and, and, and like, uh, if you ask anyone in my team, we have a, we have a culture, we, have, we call it the Rolls-Royce culture. Would Roll, like, if you walked into a Rolls-Royce showroom, how would you get treated? Well, the same way you'd get treated in a Rolls-Royce showroom is the same way we treat our clients and customers. We want you to feel special. We want you to feel like part of the family, not like another number and the clock is just ticking. You know what I mean? So so that's a, that's an ethos that, that, that we've adopted.
0: Awesome. That sounds really good. Okay, let's do a little bit of a rewind. Yeah. So we're going to take you back to your childhood. So where did you grow up? What was your childhood like?
1: Sure. So I was actually probably guessed from my name. I was born in Russia. So I was born in Moscow.
0: All right. Okay. Um,
1: in in Russia, and then we moved to London when I was six years old. So I didn't actually speak a word of English. Um, oh wow! So we so we moved to London. I remember I just started year two in primary school. Not a word of English. All I knew was yes, no, thank you. Uh, and I grew up in a place called Northolt in West London, if you know, probably don't know what that is. Um, so grew up there, went to school there, uh, you know, pretty much grew up there. Then I was heavily into ice hockey and right. I've always dreamed of becoming an ice hockey player. So like, if you Google my name and you go to photos, you'll see a ton of hockey pictures. Um, But then what happened was, so I moved to Canada, I started playing out there, like pursuing the dream. All right, okay.
0: When did you move there? How old were
1: you? I was like 16, I think at the time. Yeah. All
0: right, okay. On your own?
1: On my own, yeah. yeah. I went to basically like an academy, sort of like a boarding school where we all lived like with 15 other guys in a house. We would train in the mornings, go to school, train in it after school and yeah, all that kind of stuff.
0: Wow. What was it just rewinding a little bit? What was it like? Can you remember, moving here and not knowing English?
1: Um I re- I'll tell you one thing I remember. I remember wanting to play football with a bunch of kids outside, but I didn't know how to ask them. So my mum, I went to my mum and I said, like, how do I say, you know, to play? Because like you're a six-year-old kid, you've got all this energy you want to play, right? But you don't speak the language. So she just said, like, I think the word she used was like, please play football. <laughs> and So I would literally just say that and I'd just start and they were like, yeah, 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 come, come. And then, you know, we'd, we'd start playing football together. So it was obviously a bit scary, but you always look up to your parents to guide you. And it's like, you know, OK, well, how do I get more involved? How do I connect with these children and, and, and do the similar activities? You know what I mean?
0: So could they speak English, your parents?
1: just whatever they read in the translation
0: (laughs) all right okay so so what would what did they do for work when they moved here
1: so again just like whatever they had to I think I think for a while we were like on benefits like really really poor if you want to call it that um then my dad started working um I think delivering pizza um my mum was like a cleaner and then my dad had um uh, an electrical background so then he he finished his education uh, and he became an electrician here so he became an electrician um you know so then obviously my mum kind of stopped working was looking after me and my sister um so yeah that's kind of kind of how how it all started
0: so was the dream what was the dream what you wanted to be when you grew up
1: hockey i was Man, I was like I literally during school, I did not care about anything else apart from PE because I thought I'm gonna be a professional hockey player, so I don't need math, science, English, all these other classes. So the only thing I ever got an A in is PE, because that's the only thing I really cared about. (laughs) Um so yeah, I growing up, I always wanted to be an ice hockey player. Like that was my dream. That was and I still love it. Like it's my true passion. Yeah. But I'll tell you in a minute. um, But how
0: did you get the opportunity to go to canada
1: yeah you see from it you see i was a very late starter in ice hockey because it's so you've got to learn to skate right it's fundamental most kids start when they're like six seven eight years old i started when i was 12 All right. so i had to do so much catching up like i was skating at public sessions trying to perfect my skills i was rollerblading like outside our house on a road trying to catch up um, so I was always playing catch up. And, and and then I used to go and train with like, you know, like another men's team at the time, just trying to improve my skills. And eventually the way I caught up was I always was in, in rooms that I was not good enough to be in, which forced me to raise my level. Um, and that's kind of how how I caught up. And then obviously I got to a stage where I was good enough where, right, there's an opportunity. We went out to Canada with my dad. Um, met the coach, met the team, and I was like, right, yeah, look, we have a space for you. Uh, do you want to come? Um, and then I ended up, yeah, just joining the team.
0: Awesome. So, how long were you there for?
1: Not long, a year.
0: All oh, right. Okay. What happened?
1: So, um, on the way, uh, on the way home, uh, I came back for a spring break. I remember, and on the way uh, in, in, in London, my, me and my dad were talking like business or something like that. And he said, oh, you know, you should read this book. Um, I think it will be very interesting for you. That book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
0: All right, Um, okay.
1: On the flight back, I started reading it. And I uh, literally, I kid you not, like you can ask my friends who I played with, like one of my best friends now, he was playing out there with me, like he's from the UK as well. He he will tell you stories. I used to skip classes to hide in the library to read this book. (laughs) I was hooked, like... (laughs) And 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 something just switched in my mind where I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a hockey player anymore. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have my own business. I want to wow. you know, make money and invest. Literally just like, and within a few months, I was like, right, I'm done pursuing hockey professionally. Um, I, I want to, I you know, I want to, I want to build a business. And that's why I finished off the year or not even, I think I even left early. I didn't even finish off the year in Canada. I left early um, and came back to London and, Obviously, tried to build a business, but that had massively Oh,
0: wow. Failed. So, what happened? So, did you move back in with your parents?
1: Yeah, moved back in with my parents. Um, tried to do stuff on, you know, like eBay and, and and buy and sell stuff and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so
0: what year was that then when you came back?
1: Gosh, I was probably about 17. Yeah, I was probably about 17. So, a year, I don't know, 2007, 2008,
0: maybe? All right, okay. So, you read the book. And so what was your, first, what was your thoughts on your flight back? What were you going to do?
1: I don't know, but I just wanted to to do something in business because I read the first book. I immediately read the second book and I immediately read the third book. And the third book, I actually have it here, is this. It's like really, really thick. So can you imagine like a 17 year old reading this <laughs> I've got the second book here. This is the second one. The, these are the actual books that I that I read. And um, you know, I I I think obviously back then I think it was very different. Like the only thing that I knew how to was I started buying and selling cars. That's what I, that's what I started doing. All right. Okay. So I would buy a car, you know, sell it, make a few hundred quid, five hundred pound profit, then buy a the next one. And you know, I kind of scaled up in that. I would buy stuff you know at the market and sell it on ebay and make money from that as well in fact um the the selling on uh on ebay got me a lifetime ban from paypal because it started taking off <laughs> and um yeah that they you know how paypal can be paypal can be very cutthroat with oh you've broken out terms and conditions and and yeah that happened to me so i have a lifetime ban on paypal uh, <laughs> so i can't can't sell on there started selling cars Um, that was okay, but it wasn't really like a real business. It was always like wheeling and dealing, as you say. Right. Okay. Um, so never really had a real business and I guess I got quite good at sales. Um, then I was like, right. I always wanted to, I can't remember if I saw a film or something. I always wanted to work in the city wear nice sharp suits, you know, but I had no education. Like I left high school. I never went to college, never went to university. So I ended up going to work at a sales job in London that lasted just over a year and a bit. Um, and what then after were you selling? That, so we were selling commodities. So it was a commodity. Uh, it was basically cold calling commodity sales. That's basically what it was. All
0: right, okay. Did you get um, any sales training from them?
1: Yes, I got some amazing sales from uh, the training from them. Um, and I was always very good at memorizing all the scripts because it's all about, you know, scripts, overcoming objections, you know, ch- multiple choice clothes, the Richard Branson clothes, the over-the-hill clothes... <laughs> And I was I learned them so well that when I was on the phone with a prospect, if they threw an objection, I could just like right, I'm going to use this objection script, or I'm going to use this, or I'm going to use that close. So I got really good at that. But what happened was that company shut down just after a year, uh, about a year and a bit. That company shut down. So then I was left like, ah, oh, right now what? And that's when I ended up um, having to get a job at uh, the car park.
0: All right, okay, purple parking. That's the one. At Heathrow, was it?
1: That's the one, yeah, yeah.
0: So what what did you do there?
1: <laughs> it's probably easier to tell you what I didn't do there. So <laughs> I started... Uh, so firstly, my mum, uh, one of my good friends from high school's mum worked there in the HR department, and um, she was the one that got me the job there. And I started off as a casual, you know, casual hours uh, in the call centre, just answering the phones. Hello, welcome to Erpa Parking. Have you been part of us before? Can I take your registration number, please? Like I can still do it. <laughs> um, and 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 they're using the same vehicle this time, sir or madam. So, so so I started up as a casual in the call center, and then like this was on minimum wage, was like £6.80 or £7.20 in those days. I can't remember exactly how much. And I went to every department. So I, I did customer relations where people who would complain about their damaged cars. I then did like the bus controlling because we had a park and ride operation where customers would drop their car off, get in the bus, go to the airport, and come back. So I controlled the buses. I did uh, key management because you can imagine it was like 10,000 cars on site. There's 10,000 keys. It's a big, big operation. Um, So I did that. I then after a few years, uh, got uh made a supervisor, but wow. that put me on shift. So I w- I did a shift where it was 7 days on 7 days uh, sorry 7 days on 3 days off 7 days on 4 days off and i did that and then i after doing that i got promoted eventually to a general manager and my salary uh, before i left or before i got made redundant was just over 50,000 oh, pounds
0: all right okay
1: so it wasn't a bad job
0: okay so how long were you there in total
1: 7 years
0: Oh, wow. Seven years. So how did you get made redundant? What happened there?
1: So the site that we were the site that we were operating from in, in Heathrow, um, um, it was a former gas work. Like it was a huge, huge gas works. And, you know, for over the last 10 years, they kept talking about that land being redeveloped, redeveloped, redeveloped. But it never happened. And like literally every year there was talks of uh, jobs are going to be going because we are going to have to get smaller because there's not going to be enough space, blah, blah, blah. But this never happened. So it's kind of like, I'm sure if you have a job, everyone, there's waves of redundancies and then it doesn't happen. And then another year goes by, it doesn't happen. So I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So eventually the bulldozers moved in onto this site and started doing some developing on section of the land. So we decreased a little bit. So I was like, okay, cool. But then this lasted for like two years. I was like, okay, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, And then one day um, it got to a stage where I I came in the morning in the office and my director said, look, I need a word. And I knew it wasn't good news because it was first thing in the morning and it's never good news when he wants to see you first thing in the morning. And he just said, look, I'm really sorry, but the developers are taking over a lot of the land and we're shrinking down to like, you know, 10% of what we are now. We're going to have to let you go. Oh, wow. And that's kind of how it happened. So you, you know, I went from and I just had a baby. So uh, my wife and I just had a baby. Just had Ava. Um, she was two months old. I was on f- just over fifty thousand pounds a year with some benefits um, to nothing.
0: <laughs> so did they give you notice, or was it goodbye there and then?
1: They gave me a piece of paper. Literally, I probably still have it somewhere. I don't know. Uh, literally, a piece of paper where. They they said right, you have got to go on the gov the government website, fill this in, and you may or may get some sort of redundancy pay. So all I received, and because I was still young, I think I was in my my my, my late twenties, um, I received very minimal redundancy pay. So it's not like you know I got twenty thirty thousand for leaving. No, I literally got like the minimal. It was probably like three or four months' wages in advance, and that was it.
0: Yeah, it's down for how many years you've worked there, usually, isn't it?
1: That's it. That's so, it.
0: you've just lost your job. You've just lost fifty grand a year. What What's going through your brain?
1: Fear, the biggest amount of fear, and just pressure, right? Because you know you're living on, you know, outskirts of London. You've got all these bills to pay. You've got, you know, a wife who's still on maternity. You've got a, a two-year-old baby it's on you right it's kind of sink or swim it was a it was scary like I'm I'm not gonna you know lie and say oh I wasn't I was scared I was petrified it's like what am I gonna do now but I knew that I made a decision because in that moment I realized one very very key thing is that I thought I had a safe and secure job and the harder I worked, the more secure my position was And I believe that this is the lie that millions of people live under thinking that their job is safe and secure. And it's only when you run your own business, you realize how fragile things can really be. So I made a decision. I said, right, this company was in charge of my financial destiny for the last seven years. I never want somebody else to be in control of my financial uh, uh, dependency. I was fully dependent on them for that paycheck every single month. And I guess it only really hit me when that paycheck got taken away. and so so, you know, I would look for other jobs in a similar role, but they're all paying about half of what my job was paying. You know they were they were very generous, and I did work really hard. I, you know, I, I did work really hard. I was always a hard worker. Um so I was like, right, well, I don't have much choice. Like I need to make this digital marketing thing work. And a couple of years before that happened, I attended an internet marketing seminar. So, you know, which taught me basic stuff about selling online and building websites and stuff like that. So I was always, you know, like dabbling on the side, like most people, you know, the usual story, everyone has a job, they dream of leaving the job, they dabble on the side, but they don't actually do anything. That was me like that. I was that person. So when I got made redundant, I, I had no choice but to make the digital marketing stuff work. Um, so, I started selling services like real basic, basic services to local businesses, like website building, uh, you know, social media posting, um, uh, some search engine optimization. Which sounds complicated, but to rank a local business for a local search term is incredibly simple. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I started doing. I started doing that.
0: Okay, so how did you find some customers?
1: I was the networking nerd. I was at every networking event I joined every chamber of commerce every business thing locally that was available every facebook group I was in there um you know just just seeing if there was anyone that needed my help so just just the you know flyers um when i had when i went to it business cards not flyers every business uh, networking event i obviously go and give out your you know your cards like everyone says you know which now is just the most ridiculous thing but you know I didn't know anything else. I was desperate. I was like, look, take my card. I can do this. I can do that. Um, So that's kind of how I, and after a couple of months, I landed a few clients, which was just about enough to cover the bills and everything.
0: All right. Okay. So continuous clients, were they not just one-offs?
1: It it was a mixture of continuous and one-offs.
0: All right. Okay. So how long did that go on for then? How long did you do that?
1: So that went on probably for about a year. Um, and obviously you get better at things uh, you take on projects that you're not qualified to do and then you learn and figure out how to do it and then eventually it got to a stage where I needed to hire freelancers because I couldn't cope with the amount of work that was coming in so then I kind of scaled up into an agency model okay. um, and in between this time by the way uh, my wife got redundant as was made redundant as well so she was on maternity but She got a letter a few months after I was made redundant to say, that's it, no more. Um, So that added even more pressure. So I had to give out even more business cards to get more clients. So it was a real, you know, it was a real kind of stressful time. And um, yeah, but, you know, I just, I literally had no time to myself, no time for anything else because my focus was on just to make some money. Like I was taking clients for a hundred pounds, 200 pounds. Like I was like the cheapest marketer that you could find <laughs> that was me because i was so desperate for, for any work um you know that lasted about a year then after a year we kind of scaled into an agency i had some freelancers working with me all kind of remote people um and then i niched down specifically into chatbots if you know all right
0: yeah okay I'm so brilliant. how did you make that move
1: so i think it was 20 oh gosh i can't remember 2018 maybe um when chatbots started to sort of take off a little bit. I think I saw somebody do a presentation at one of these business networking events about chatbots. And I thought, hmm, that looks quite cool. I, I like that. So I started researching the software company that uh, you know that, that provided this, this software. There's a company called ManyChat, uh, which some of you may have heard of. Now, ManyChat at the time had a, a really, really comprehensive free course. Like it would, because it was this new thing that not many people had heard of, They didn't know how to use it. So it was in ManyChat's interest to develop a program that taught people how to use it. So I studied that program for free, completed it. They then had a a partner program where if you pass a couple of tests and demonstrate, you know, some work on a few clients that you could be made like an accredited partner of ManyChat and they would put you on their agency listing. So I did that. I, I I started using chatbots to, you know, generate leads, to quiz funnels, to do spin the wheel games and, you know, add to messenger ads and things like that, which got really, really good results. Uh, but then what happened was a bunch of people started asking me, you know, all right, what is this chatbot thing? You seem to be doing quite well. Like, can you show me how it's done? Um, and then they started asking for my advice, my advice. And then that was the birth of my first ever I guess, online program when I created something called the Chatbot Academy, teaching right, okay. local business owners um, and people that sell online how to use chatbots for their business.
0: Okay, so was that, did you, how much did you sell that for?
1: So that was nine nine
0: right, okay. And was that uh, just a course or did you do it with
1: them? Uh, yeah, that was literally just an online program because the only model I knew, so a Rewind probably a, a year before that, Um, one of my clients was in the seminar industry and I was writing email copy for him. So I would write email copy for him. Um, So like, if you think of any marketing role, I've done them all as well. Like it's a bit of a pattern. (laughs) I end up doing everything before I get other people in. So I was doing email copy for him. And I remember writing this email copy for him and then he would send it out. And one of his customers emailed back and says, I really like this copy. Who did it? So he put me and her in touch and she said, look, can you show me how to do this? And I was like, "Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I I don't know. Like I usually do this for people, but if you want me to show you, I guess. And I said, how much have you got allocated for this? She's like a hundred pounds. I was like, okay, done. So (laughs) for a hundred pounds, we got on the phone. I showed her how I wrote email, copy, the structure and everything. And it was literally it took us half an hour, and I was like, "Wow, she just paid me a hundred pounds to hear a piece of advice from me. This is insane!" So I started looking into the whole online earning, you know, e-learning, online education, the online course model. And the only model I knew was like the online courses. So eventually, once I had something that was worth selling, which was, in my opinion, the chatbot thing, I turned that into a course. And literally, that was just a bunch of videos. Um, Yeah. And there was maybe I think email support with that as usual, but but that was it.
0: All right. okay. And so you did that. Did you still have your clients at the same time then?
1: Yep. Still have my clients. Can't afford to give them out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how did that evolve to the next stage then?
1: So what happened was um, once I built the course um, and looking back in hindsight, I would have done it the other way around. I would have sold the course before I ever created it but that's hindsight for you. Yeah, I, I locked myself away for probably about six to eight weeks, recorded this course, bought this backdrop, cameras, lighting, everything, recorded it. And I was like, right, now I need to sell it. Gosh, Jesus, I've done all this hard work. Now I need to sell it. So I had a bit of an audience at the time of like business owners and, you know, small time entrepreneurs. So I said, right, I'm going to do a webinar, show you how you can, you know, use chatbots for business. And I remember thinking, right, I'm gonna sell it for a nine nine five. Let's see what happens. And obviously, I've been on many webinars in the past. So I kind of knew how it worked. Structured a presentation, made an offer in the end. And the first time round, I think I did about, gosh, I think it was about sixteen thousand pounds in sales.
0: All right. Well, on the first one?
1: On the first time to sell that chatbot program. Well, that so- was
0: awesome. How many? How many people did you have on?
1: contest probably 40 50 something like that um and then i sent a replay out and we did like another 7 grand so it was like 20 odd 25 24 grand in sales i was like
0: wow
1: <laughs> that was insane and and from that moment i i started to realize that your knowledge it, you people value your knowledge far more when you teach it to them than when you implement it for them So it's the whole cliche of, look, if you teach a man to fish, he will value that more than if you fish for him or woman, doesn't matter. So what I started to read, and you know what it's like when you have clients, you have an agency, you haven't done for you services, you never really get the respect. You never really get the, you know, they, they never really fully appreciate what you do, but when you teach them something, they're like, wow. So, so I started slowly transitioning and kind of not looking for any new clients on the agency side, but really putting more focus into the chatbot side. And I started looking for, you know, more events I could go and speak at. So I'd find joint venture partners who had a, a list of customers that were suitable for me. And I would do joint venture webinars. And 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 within the, I think in the first year, I think I did about a quarter of a million from that chatbot course.
0: Oh, right. Okay. That's really good. So, yeah, would- so you would... Were you doing live events as well? Um,
1: Yes. The only live events that I did were like a a webinar to sell the program.
0: All right. Okay.
1: That was the only other live events uh, that I did. But before that, so before the chatbot program as well, um, kind of skipping back and forth here, sorry. I um, had a a live event called Live in a Day. Now, Live in a Day was a hands-on workshop in central London where It was a small room of 10 people who all wanted to learn how to set up a brand new online business. So I would take them through registering a domain name, setting up web hosting, getting WordPress up, putting their buy now buttons in there, adding a product. And I was charging 400 pounds a person and that would sell out every month. Like that was another live event that I used to do alongside the chatbot stuff. Is it was sell out every month. So I had ten people. So that's four grand in one single day teaching beginner entrepreneurs how to get started.
0: And how were you? How were you promoting that?
1: Same same way the chatbot. So so I started very quickly building an email list um, because I had spoke. I had offered my speaking services. I call it speaking. So because I'm not a speaker. I mean, yeah, now I'm very comfortable on stage and all the rest of it. But back back then, I just needed to get my face out there to grow an audience. So I would say, look, I'll come, I'll speak for free. I'll do whatever you want. I'll make the tea. I'll do this and I'll do that. And it was for that seminar client that that he said, all right, well, why don't you come speak on Twitter? Okay, no, nothing, no, nothing about Twitter. Um, But then like that got my foot in the door. He then told other people and I kind of slowly started to appear on stages, doing some keynotes and stuff like that. So people would look me up, they'd opt in and, I, and I'd slowly start building a bit of an email list and a bit of a following. Like I'm talking very small, by the way, like like very small. Um, and those people would, um, yeah, I would, I would send an email, I'd put a post out, say, right, who wants to learn how to set up a business in a day? And it was just, it was, honestly, I think it was probably one of the, for a beginner entrepreneur, I think it's probably the best offer that you can make. Like if you want to start a business live in a day, like you'll be live in a day. Like it's 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 genius.
0: So when did you discover ClickFunnels?
1: Oh gosh, it was years after. Um I think I first heard of ClickFunnels probably in 2018, 2019.
0: Who oh, have lost you?
1: Yeah, my camera's gone. What's happened here? Hang on. <laughs> You've lost me. Hang on. You can hear me but you can't see me. One second. Okay. Oh, I'm back in the room. Yay.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so when did you when did you discover ClickFunnels?
1: So I'd heard of ClickFunnels, um, I think a couple of years into this, um, but I never used it because I couldn't afford it if I'm honest. Like I thought a hundred bucks was a lot. So I was—I used to use something called Lead Pages. Do you remember Lead Pages? Yeah. Yeah. So I used to use that because I was like twenty bucks a month, and ClickFunnels was like a hundred. I was like, all right, I'll use Lead Pages, um, and WordPress was free, um, or you just need hosting. So I was a bit cheap. I'll be honest. Like I was that <laughs> guy. I was like, I don't need ClickFunnels. You know, blah blah blah. So I, yeah. So I'd heard of it, but I never really started using it properly. I would say only last two years. About two years. All ago, right. Okay. Yeah, so so not not long at all.
0: So how what happened then? So you did the live in the day. How did you come up with that idea?
1: Again, I think I saw somebody at a seminar teaching um, people how to set up websites. And they, everyone loved it. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get people in the room to teach them this whole process step by step? And I was like, all right, cool. You know, live in a day.
0: So how long did you do that for? Did you do one every month, did you say?
1: I did one a month. Yeah, I did one a month. Uh, majority of times they sold out. Sometimes we'd get five or six on, but it was it like, put it this way. I would always make what I used to make in a month at my car park job in a day, which for me was an obscene amount of money yeah. like back then. Um, so I did that for probably a good three years. And I actually only stopped doing it just before the uh, the pandemic hit
0: okay so when you were doing that when did you start giving up your agency clients
1: i think um, i think when i when the honest truth is probably when when i thought i don't want to do any more done for you work and you would just start winding them down and i think i got it got to a stage where the information business, like the education side with the with the live in a day and the chatbot stuff, was making as much, or if not more, of the um, uh, 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 of the uh, of the revenue as the clients did. And I thought, well, look, that I love teaching, like I love teaching people. Uh, whereas the client stuff is like I had freelancers, so going back and forth with emails, and oh no, no, the color of the buttons not right. Oh no, no, we need to move. You know, you've been there, right?
0: Sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> right you know and and the other oh the the biggest thing was I'll never forget this it was my daughter's birthday and we were on a farm somewhere and one of my clients was ringing me like nonstop, and I was like this has got to change like I'm it's my daughter's birthday I'm having a day off and I'm still getting clients ringing me and it was it was that that really triggered me into saying you know what this is not for me and the other thing is I always had this feeling. I don't know if you or anyone watching will will resonate. If you have like agency clients or people you're fulfilling services for, if you decide to go on a beach on a Tuesday afternoon and put a picture up on social media, and they see that, they're going to think, "I'm paying him all this money. What's he doing on the beach? Get back <laughs> on the laptop." So, so that was another thing. Yeah. So that was a that was another thing.
0: Okay. So when the pandemic hit. You couldn't do your live in a day anymore. Were you still selling your chatbot course then?
1: Yeah, I was still I was I was still selling the chatbot course. Uh, I was doing that mostly through joint ventures um, at other people's events and and stuff like that. So yeah, the whole thing just came to a grinding halt. Obviously, live in a day wasn't very practical uh, online because I literally would you know have to lean over people's shoulders, show them how to do things, and and trying to do that with ten people on a, on a virtual environment is just impossible. So that kind of closed down, Um the chatbot stuff was still going. But then what happened was, if you remember the big GDPR slap. All right, yeah. So what happened was I built this whole chatbot business, this whole chatbot education business. You know, we were doing really, really well, but the, the GDPR slap come. And what that did was that wiped out like 90% of functionality of a chatbot because chatbot uses the API from Facebook to pull all that data. And GDPR said, no, you can't do that anymore. And I literally panicked. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I pretty much that came to a grinding hole over, overnight as well because yeah. I could no longer teach it because it was only effective in North America and even still not as effective. Europe was, was toast.
0: I remember um, that, yeah.
1: You, Yeah, I mean, most people probably remember that. So, And then I realized that I built a business off of a tactic, not a principle. So then I went back to the drawing board and I started um, getting into the whole online coaching world and how to construct offers and high ticket sales and all this other stuff. Um, And yeah, that's that's kind of when I had to restart again and (laughs) go into that world.
0: Okay, so did you go find a coach?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Okay, and how did you decide who you were going to choose?
1: Honest answer is... I don't know. I think. I think. I. Uh, I think I was on Clubhouse a lot, so I would see. Uh, Tanner. Tanner Chidester.
0: All right. Yeah, we've had him on the show. Oh, amazing! Yeah. So Tanner.
1: In fact, it was Tanner that first introduced me to this whole high ticket thing, and I remember I was on a sales call with his brother. He'll probably remember this if you if you ask him. I said, look, um, I want to make a hundred thousand pounds a month like because at the time i was investing like a big five figure sum which for me was a lot of money Yeah. but i wanted to make this work and within i think the program was like four months i think within four months i'd hit in fact there you go i had hit a 100k in 30 days
0: all right okay was it um that elite was it elite ceo is that one
1: <laughs> that's the one
0: awesome that's the one
1: So that's how I got into this world. And then that taught me the whole messaging and and DMs and and, and all this stuff and and getting people to book a call rather than because before I was always the the expert of selling from a webinar, selling from a sales page. I never really even had the thought of, oh, get people to book a call. Oh, and that's where it opened up that whole book a call, high ticket coaching uh, opportunity.
0: All right. okay. so did they teach you then on creating a new offer?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, so is that the offer that you're selling now or is that a different one? Uh
1: no, it's evolved like many, many, many times since then, but they introduced me to this whole thing of high-ticket offers, how to create an offer, how to deliver an offer, how to, you know, generate leads and, 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 and book calls using organic messenger DMs and stuff like that, shout-outs, that whole model.
0: Okay. Did you do did you try the shout-outs? He talked about he talks a lot about shout-outs when I spoke to him.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. It's it's good. Like, it's good. Once you find your, it's a little bit like running ads and you find that audience that just hits. Shoutouts are very similar. Once you find those accounts that just hit and you gain loads of new followers. um, Yeah. So it's really, really good. Really, really profitable.
0: Awesome. So what happened then? So you started that program.
1: Yeah.
0: But then you, you got the Two Comma Club in 11 months. Yeah. So what, changed or what happened that made that 11 months because a lot of people they take them a couple of years to do a two comma club they can't do it in 12 months yeah
1: <sighs> honestly um focus like like i i had been very successful in selling maybe three no maybe four or five different offers um before in different sectors and we'd all I'd always make like you know six multi six figures but I just couldn't break out to that seven figure stage for 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 quite a while and it was only when I stripped everything back and said this is the only thing I'm doing now that's when I started to take off like I I had you know uh, less is more okay so so I stopped dabbling and doing like a million things at once I just did one offer um, I focused on getting people to book as many calls as possible. And then I would convert them on the on the call um, and started selling coaching. So rather than having like five different products, I'd taken those five different products and made one big product, which was a premium product. And I focused on, 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 on promoting and selling that. Um, yeah. And that's really what kind of took off for me, because I think a lot of times people have all these little, Mid pieces, yeah. but they want everything to be in one place. I so reckon. that's what I, um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I did for them. Hopefully, well, obviously, because the results prove themselves.
0: And who was your target audience for that new offer then?
1: Um, so that was again, um, it was anyone that wanted to sell digital products online. In fact, the program was called Digital Business Coaching. So anyone that wanted to sell digital products online, because essentially. An online course is a digital prog- pro- program. Um, you know, coaching is a digital product, software is a digital product. Because once you understand how to sell online, you know, you you the way you sell, it doesn't matter what you sell. Um, so that's what I was teaching people, teaching people exactly how to sell online.
0: All right, okay. And do you think your sales training that you had previously has helped you on this journey?
1: I think it's helped me on the phones. Yes, but that's probably it because it was only on the phone where I really learned to to sell. Um, and, but I didn't know how to make an irresistible offer. I didn't know what makes a good offer. I didn't know how to get people on the phone. Um, but it was only the phone section that helped me. Yeah.
0: All right. Okay. So, do you think back now? Has there been a time where you thought you're going to give it up and you go back and get a job?
1: Oh no, 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 no absolutely not. No, never. <laughs> never. If I've always said, look. I don't have a backup plan. I mean, I don't, luckily I don't need one, but I've always said if I ever needed to get a job, I'd go and get a high-end sales job, like selling private jets, Lamborghinis, Bentleys, Rolls Royces, something really, really high-end.
0: All right. Okay. But you never, there wasn't a time where you were struggling and you thought I need to need to get a job to get some money.
1: Oh, listen, in the early days, the first two years I, I wanted to get a job. I wanted to get a job the first two years because i wanted that safety now i wanted that security especially having a you know having a having a young baby like it's yeah. it's 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 very difficult um so yeah absolutely the first two years i wanted to definitely wanted to quit wanted to get a job i was offered a job twice by my seminar client because he knew i was good and he wanted me to come work for his marketing team and he was going to let me do it remotely from home and maybe go into the office like once a week I said no twice because I wanted to stay true to my goal of being independent financially, not rely on any single person or company.
0: All right. Okay. So what was the motivation to keep going though? How did, because there's lots of people who try and start a business and they fail and they go back and get a job. How do you keep going?
1: See, I say find a, find, find reasons come first, answers come second. you don't have a reason to keep going it's going to be hard to keep going my reason was i had you know people to feed i had bills to pay so i had to find the answers but if you have no reason to make the money you want you know or or or, you know then it's going to be difficult unless you're super self-driven and you're like a, a an elon musk type character but what i've realized over the years as well, is that like, the way we got this the, the two Comic Club and everything, I promise you, I worked a lot less on the business to get that. And I worked a lot more on myself. I became a whole different person through this transformation. And believe it or not, the more you work on yourself, the more you will become that person that keeps going, that, you know, pushes through rather than, you know, gives up. Because people focus too much on the buttons yeah. and not enough on themselves and, and, and their habits and their their thoughts and 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 everything they do.
0: So are you still in with Tana's mentorship or are you are you in something else now?
1: Uh no, 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 no. That uh, no, no. that's it's been about over a year now since since I've kind of uh graduated from that. So no, no, no. I'm um I'm actually in no one's mentorship at the minute. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm looking for my next big investment i always make like a significant investment in myself once a year commit to the program and then keep keep moving on
0: all right okay but you haven't found them yet
1: haven't found one yet because i'm just want to get the book published that's the that's that's all
0: right uh, okay so what's what's the book
1: the book is knowledge worth millions um that's the name um and it's going to be called so knowledge worth millions how to build a seven-figure online business and um i've literally just today finished the last chapter so I'm editing out everything I've got a letter to, to look at it and awesome. you're going to print in two weeks time.
0: And uh, have you got a book funnel ready for that or are you doing of it on course. Amazon?
1: Of course no I don't know book <laughs> funneled all ready to go.
0: <laughs> Perfect and is it is it a free plus shipping book or is it paid book?
1: You've done this before yes free, <laughs> plus, shipping. free plus
0: shipping. Awesome can't wait so um you'll have to give us the link so we can share it with our listeners so they can go get a copy of the book
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean we have a link now but it doesn't quite work so if you just go to knowledgeworthmillions.com it will take you to the landing page um yeah but but it's not ready yet so don't All right,
0: okay. nice buy one. it okay so do you have a morning routine or anything that you do
1: no i'll be <laughs> honest because I, I have two kids now so i have two i have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and I used to beat myself up about not having a routine and this, that, and the other. But the truth is, your routine is so, like, depending on your kids. And I want to see my kids in the morning. I don't know if they're going to wake up at 6 or 7 or 8. So, no, not. I'll be honest, not really. The only thing I do is I, I have, a, you know, a glass of water, um, you know, and that's about it. I have a cup of coffee, and I usually just get straight to work.
0: All right, okay. So what's your focus for the next 12 months?
1: focus for the next 12 months is really growing my audience uh, and getting my message out there about financial independency because with everything that's going on in the world right now there's people are so dependent on a person an organization a company and I just want to help people become independent because I know what it's like when you have a family children responsibilities even if you don't have a family or children you're still dependent on that one source of income so my aim is to spread the message as much as possible, grow my audience. Uh, And I say that I'm the best entrepreneur you've not heard of yet.
0: <laughs> awesome. Right. I have one last question for you. Go for it. If you're going to be an animal for 24 hours, what would you be and why? The lion. That was quick the- answer there.
1: lion, because... I think it's because of obviously like, you know, being a, being a, being a father husband and like call it the hunter gatherer, whatever you want to call it. I've had to take on those responsibility of a lion type character in the kind of human world. I've had to go and provide, I've had to go and make sure that my family have got a good, good lifestyle. And, you know, we can have, and I want to give them the best life. And yeah, so I've had to become a lion by default really so so yeah that that's that's who i would be
0: awesome thank you thank you so much for taking time out of your day today it's been awesome
1: you're very welcome thanks for having me it's been great
0: and if anybody wants to find out more about you where's the best place for them to go
1: uh so my instagram uh if you can spell my name so stas.prokofiev but i'm sure you'll have uh We'll,
0: we'll put it on the screen perfect Perfect. (laughs) okay awesome thank you so much
1: thank you polly take care bye everyone
0: thank you for listening i really hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast software it really helps us rank the podcast and get more listeners and if you're over on youtube please subscribe and hit the bell every friday 8 a.m gmt we release a brand new episode And until then, have a good one.